we have been in a series, uh, Seven Psalms That Speak to the Soul. And we have looked at Psalm 23, allowing God to comfort you. We've looked at Psalm 40, allowing God to restore you. Psalm 46, allowing God to protect you. And Psalm 51, allowing God to forgive you. We stepped away from the Psalms so that I could do uh, a message on the Trinity, which I do about every two years. But now we're stepping back into this study. And today we look at the 78th Psalm. I would invite you to turn to Psalm 78. The 78th Psalm, allowing God to develop you. This is a monumental psalm. Um, it's distinct in a couple of ways. First of all, uh, the 78th psalm is a history psalm. The psalm is specified as a psalm of Asaph, who reviews the history of his people and discovers that they tend to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. Sound familiar? It is true that those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Or as philosopher George Santayana said, originally said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So the children of Israel were like many of us. We tend to take one step forward and two steps backward. Or we simply tread water instead of swimming to our destination. So what did Asaph see when he remembered the history of his people? Familiar themes, forgetfulness, faithlessness, foolishness, and failures. He did what many historians do. He remembered the past to gain a perspective of the present. And Asaph's work was not in vain. See, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, that the words of Asaph and others were written for our benefit today. The Word of God always speaks. And the Word of God is always relevant. We can learn from history if we are willing to listen to what history tells us. Not only is the 78th Psalm a history psalm, but the 78th Psalm is a wisdom psalm. It's a teaching psalm or a psalm of instruction, and that brings us to the theme of today, allowing this psalm to develop us. The theme is the kindness and goodness of God to the rebellion and stubbornness of the Israelites. Asaph reminds the Israelites that they should do two things, to know the scriptures and to teach the scriptures to their children. What a call for the church today that we would know God's word and that we would teach God's word to our children. Thus, the history psalm becomes a teaching psalm. And we now apply Psalm 78 to allow God to develop us. We could title this message, Listen, Learn, and Lead. Let us pray. Father, I echo the words of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the 78th Psalm is one of the 12 Psalms of Asaph, who was the leader of the temple singers known as the Asaphites. Asaph was a great singer. 
and musician of David and Solomon's era. He was also considered prophetic in his musical compositions. To give you um, something to think about today, Asaph would be similar to a modern-day prophet, a musical prophet like Matt Redman, who has called us back to a heart of worship or to turn back to praise every blessing that God pours out upon us. It is also possible that Asaph transcribed the words of David in much the same way that we believe that John Mark transcribed the words of Peter for the gospel bearing the apostle's name. And Psalm 78 is the second longest psalm. Only Psalm 19 is longer. And I realize that reading the Word of God is important, and normally I read the entire passage so that we can have a proper context to our content. But I actually, as many of you know, I read the passage out loud before I ever read it out loud in here. I timed it. It took me nine minutes to read Psalm 78. So as important as it is, we will not try to read the entire psalm this morning, but we'll look at certain sections. And we'll begin with the 78th Psalm, Verse 1, reading from the New King James Version, a contemplation, a masculine, this is basically a song of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark or obscure sayings or riddles of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them, the sayings, from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established the testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born that they might arise and declare them, again, talking about these sayings to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set or prepare its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The first principle of development we observe in the passage is the need to listen. The need to listen. Um, I heard a story not long ago of a pastor of a church who decided to take two men out of his church on a hunting trip. He took a doctor and he took a lawyer. So the doctor, the lawyer, and the pastor go on a hunting trip. And while they are out... In the forest, they all three, almost at the same time, see a large buck. Instincts kicked in. All three of them prepared to shoot their rifles, aimed, and would you believe it, they all fired at the same time. And the buck fell. And it was quite a distance away, so they immediately started arguing among themselves as to who shot the deer. The lawyer said, I shot the deer, and I can argue well that I shot the deer. 
the doctor said, I shot the deer. And when we get up there, I will show you medically how I shot the deer. I will prove that it was my bullet that downed the buck. The pastor said, no, it was me because I have the anointing upon me. So as they walk closer to the buck, it's laying there, they get louder as they argue, and they walk up and a harpoon has come across. And is standing over the buck because he has heard this arguing and this commotion. And he says, gentlemen, what is wrong? The lawyer said, I shot the deer, they say that they shot it. Doctor says, I shot the deer, they say that they shot it. Pastor says, I shot the deer, and they say that they shot it. Park ranger said, I can tell you who killed the deer. He said, it was the pastor. Lawyer and doctor said, how do you know that? Park ranger said, because the bullet went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Now, as a pastor that I once knew was prone to say, I make you laugh to make you listen. We see the first step in the process of development. We are asked to listen up. See, the process of development begins by providing ourselves with an opportunity to receive instruction. I was telling a pastor down in Polk County where Carolina sung Sunday night in concert where one of our students is youth pastor just how proud I was of Fruitland and how proud I am of the students of Fruitland. I said, without the students, we professors don't have a job. So we thank God for you and for sending you to this place. You are putting yourselves in a position to receive instruction. But I would remind you there is a distinction between hearing and listening. Janet reminds me of this quite often as she is talking to me. She says, you are hearing me, but you are not listening to me. Okay. Throughout the years, I've had many students who I believe are hearing me, but sometimes I'm not sure that they're listening. It's just like the bullet aimed at the deer. Sometimes we feel that it goes in one ear and out the other. If you've ever taught preschoolers, we ask them, do you have your listening ears on? You see, it's possible that one can hear without listening, but it is very important to listen to what we hear. We're not only asked to listen up, but we're asked to listen in or to lean in. You see, the process of development begins by positioning ourselves to receive instruction. There is a time to speak and there's a time to listen. Many of us are in seasons of our lives where we will tend to listen far more than we speak. One of the popular commercials of my childhood was the E.F. Hutton commercial. When needing financial advice, the best option one had was to listen to E.F. Hutton because when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Many of us are like the young staff member of a large church ministerial staff who rarely contributes to the conversation going on among his peers. And when asked one day why he didn't contribute more to the discussions, he replied with a very simple answer. He said, I am earning the right to be heard. Then he got a doctorate and you can't get him to shut up. So uh, many of us who are in the early seasons of our education and ministry are in essence earning the right to be heard. And sometimes when we study the word of God, 
We need to hear and we need to listen to what God is saying to us. So, the psalmist challenges us to listen up and to listen in or to lean in. Stan reminded our congregation Sunday morning of the death of the late Warren Wiersbe and how we have lost a theological giant and student of the Word of God. Warren Wiersbe reminds us of the truth embedded in verse 8, which provided that summation for the first section of the psalm. And I read it again. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart aright, and those and whose spirit was not faithful to God. See, Asaph didn't want the Israelites to imitate the Exodus generation of Egypt or the idle generation of Canaan, but rather to learn from their mistakes. Asaph wanted the future generations to trust God, to remember the past, and to obey God's word. And only then could they be sure of the blessing of the Lord. The principle applies to us today. The Apostle Paul was right. The words of Asaph and others speak to us through the word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit even today. We're asked to listen up and we're asked to listen in. Trust God, remember the past, and obey God's word. And then Asaph begins to recite the story of the heritage and history of God's people. And that's the longest segment of the 78th Psalm. But we know the story of the Israelites all too well because it is our story also. You see, God seeks to develop us, to grow us, to nurture us, to mature us, but our sinful, rebellious nature often makes it difficult to develop, grow, nurture, and mature. I've already alluded to the illustration that I've used many times before, but it's appropriate here. And for many of us, this is a picture, this is a visual of what our pilgrimage in the Christian faith looks like. We start here. We take a step forward. But we take two steps backwards. Then we take a step forward, and we take two steps backwards. We take a step forward two steps backward. Visually, you get the idea. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, wants more for us because we're on a progression to perfection. And we want to continue to move forward, not to meander in the wilderness or to simply tread water. We're like the children of Israel who wandered to and fro in the wilderness. And as the hymn declares, we are prone to wander and prone to leave the God I love. But the God of the 78th Psalm, the God of this book, is a God of love. And he calls us to a closer, greater, more meaningful relationship. He wants us to get out of the wilderness and to head home. Asaph wanted God's people to listen, but also he wanted them to learn. You see, the second segment in development, we listen up, 
but we also want to learn. And what do we learn? We learn from this story. Asaph recalls the story of the children of Israel and he remembers the past. There are a couple of um, things that I would point out here. And we actually get it through the first words of some of these segments. Notice verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. And it goes on to tell about what God did. Verse 12. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers. But then notice verse 17. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. But then we go on like to verse 26. The things that God begins to do. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens and by the power he brought in the south wind he also rained meat on them like the dust feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. God provides yet once again. But then verse 32, in spite of this, they still sinned. They did not believe in his wondrous works. And what Asaph is challenging us through this story is to tell the children of Israel to get out of the wilderness, to get out of this quagmire of taking one step forward and two steps backward. And even this passage speaks to us today. We are to get out of our rut. Asaph covered three areas in his narrative. First of all, in condemning the apostasy of Ephraim, Asaph warned Judah not to follow their example. In condemning the Exodus generation, Asaph reminded Judah that God in his mercy forgave them and held back his wrath, but they were a generation that grieved his heart. In condemning the idol generation, Asaph chastised the Israelites for embracing the altars and idols of their enemies rather than resisting to keep their focus up on God. Wearsby reminds us that a change in circumstances does not overcome a flaw in character. God wants more for us than to be trapped with no way out. You may recall the movie, The Perfect Storm. It's the story of the Andrea Gale, a commercial fishing, fishing vessel that was caught in the perfect storm of 1991. The ultimate fate of the boat was that they were trapped in a perfect storm at sea, consisting of between 60 and 100 foot waves, and they literally could not get out as the film so vividly portrays and of course the ship was lost at sea and the crew perished you see God wants so much more for us than the repeated pattern of rebellion forgiveness rebellion forgiveness God wants us to be overcomers he wants us to be victorious overcomers now let's conclude the lesson look at verse 65 then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. Now we have to study the scripture. We study the content to get a context. And this is, of course, a metaphorical statement because the Lord doesn't get drunk and certainly never goes to sleep.
and he beat back his enemies. He put them to a very line from which the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, would come. You see, the children of Israel had transitioned from theory to practice with leadership being modeled in the form of King David. David, a man after God's own heart, who for a time was the embodiment of integrity and skill. And you see, we need each of those as we apply ourselves to what we have heard and to what we have learned, to what we have listened and to what we have learned. No amount of ability can compensate for a sinful heart. No amount of devotion to God can overcome lack of ability. But there is hope, my friends. We have a Savior who will make a way for us and show us the way to go. Finally, we see what we call the practice of instruction. See, just like the psalmist David, the process of development culminates as we put into practice, or as I said earlier, we make application to what we have been taught and experienced. We learn from the lessons of life, or for many of us, the lessons of the ministry, to become more effective servants to the glory of God. We transition from the ones who have been shepherded to the ones who will be the shepherds. What an awesome responsibility, but what a tremendous gift God has given us. We are encouraged to lead with our mouth, and we are encouraged to love from our heart. David's leadership proceeded through a two-sided hand, his hands and his heart. Like David, we will grow and develop as Christ followers by living in tension between outward skill and inward integrity. Think for a moment about those who you would consider a great spiritual leader. They may be people who are outgoing or perhaps persons who are practically noted in the community. But there will be a common characteristic 
that is this. Every great spiritual leader will have the combination of outward skill and inward integrity. Why? Because between the head and the heart, there is a tension, a tension rod, and that rod is the rod of integrity. See, we have listened, we have applied the lessons of the past, and we lead. How does this happen? Well, because for the children of Israel, the story is this. They allowed God to develop them. There were hiccups, there were challenges, roadblocks, many different challenges that they faced. But God developed them, and the great news for us today is God can develop us. We can be comforted, we can be restored, we can be protected. We can be cleansed, and we can also be developed. We can listen, learn, and then lead. So what are the takeaways from this 78th Psalm? First, through the recounting of history, the Israelites were encouraged to follow the law. And we as Christians today are encouraged to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit so that we can no longer take one step forward, two steps backward, but we can move forward on our progression to perfection, to the glory of God, to be dedicated followers of Christ. Second, the children of Israel were reminded of the pattern of God's saving mercy. See, we as followers of Christ are reminded that we live under grace, not free to live apart from Christ, but free to live in Christ because of God's amazing, marvelous grace. We echo the words of John Newton who said, I am not the man that I ought to be. I am not the man that I wish to be. And I am not the man that I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not the man that I used to be. Thirdly, the people of God were encouraged to pass from generation to generation the good works and deeds of God in their lives. If there's ever a plea for faith immersed in a multi-generational environment, we find it in the 78th Psalm. The old teaching the young, the young learning from the old. And as a matter of fact, there are even greater opportunities for the young to expose the old to new and exciting things. I make the plea again, do not let your church get trapped in a worship war. Use musical expressions that will allow the old to teach the young, the young to help bring the old along and worship to the glory of God. Worship as a family. Amen. Firmly rooted in the foundations of faith that have been remembered and passed on from generation to generation. And then the last takeaway is simply this. The lessons learned by the Israelites were formulated during a time of faith testing in the wilderness. Are you in a wilderness today? Are you in a quagmire? Are you in a perfect storm? You see, we as followers of Christ will often find our faith strengthened in our valleys as well as on our mountaintops. As we're reminded in our study of the 23rd Psalm, valleys of restoration are just as important in our faith and development as mountaintop celebrations.
Allow God to develop you. Listen, learn, and lead. To God be the glory. Thank God for His Word that speaks to us over thousands of years the truths that we need to hear. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the story of your people and how we can learn from their victories, from their failures, from their challenges. Father, when you speak, help us not only to hear, but to listen. And through your divine, holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word, help us to learn. And then, Father, help us to take what we have heard, what we have learned, and apply it to our lives and lead and live a life that is worthy of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for Jesus, and we ask these things in his name. Amen.